Welcome to episode 18 of the Rochester Club 476 podcast. I'm your host, Jake Marchand, and this show includes speeches given by me and my fellow Toastmasters at our club in Rochester, New York. We meet every two weeks, and this episode is from our meeting on January 19th, 2023. If you're not a member of Toastmasters, I hope this podcast helps you see the value that these clubs bring. To put it simply, Toastmasters clubs are individual groups that come together to assist each other with public speaking. Some people do it for their career, and some do it for personal reasons. And Toastmasters is international with over 15,000 clubs in 149 different countries. Anyways, I'm going to get right to the episode. If you want to learn more, you can listen to the intro episode of this podcast or go to the show notes for a direct link to the Toastmasters website to find a club that's local to you. First up, we have a returning speaker to this podcast, Miss Michelle Race. This is Michelle's second speech with Toastmasters. This is also the first half of a speech she was preparing for an upcoming event. The title of her speech is Stop Missing Your Life. So here's Michelle Race with Stop Missing Your Life. I want to thank Madam Toastmaster, our fellow Toastmasters, and our most welcome guests. Stop Missing Your Life. I'm Michelle Race, and I'm a certified transformational health and life coach. I work with people that are struggling with the changes that life throws them. I have the tools to actually inspire and empower people to uh, gain personal confidence to move forward in each decade of their life. I call it age agility to live your best life. Just to give you a little background, uh, you may have heard some of my icebreaker, but I I am a, you know, a he- a dental hygienist by trade, by career, and I, it took me like 30 years and three degrees to get that far, but I finally found my passion as a dental hygienist. But I was also a caregiver for my aging parents. I was the youngest of, two da- of three daughters, and I was the baby of the family, and I was also the one that ended up taking care of my parents. Both my sisters retired young and with their husbands moved to Florida. But before they left, they took, you know, we took my mother and put her in a a senior citizen uh, arrangement. And my dad had, unfortunately, had to go to a nursing home. We sold the family home. And then they took and went and actually bought cemetery plots and they bought, you know, prepaid funeral costs. Everything was done for me. So... I didn't have to do anything but take care of my, my, my parents. So when they left for Florida, you know, I got handed a little, you know, folder full of all, all these arrangements, but I was still left with the emotional taking part about taking care of my parents. Eventually, of course, they passed away. It was difficult. I was working full time, and, you know, they lived like 50 minutes away. We'll mention Batavia again. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it's okay. <laughs> um, we weren't, you know, but, but it was, um, you know, it was everything was done for me. After they passed away, I had this big hole around me. Now, how do I fill in that time? And so, 
I, you know, it fills in. It always does. I went to, um, had family, friends, vacations. Everything was great, and I, uh, most of it was assumed by my professional organization. But I was happy. I was, I was fulfilled. This is what, this is what I wanted to do. I was good at it. And then COVID hit. Here I was. This is after almost 50 years in dentistry. They closed all the offices. Everybody got lost their jobs. They were promised to, to bring us back, but I didn't want to go back to that situation. You know, I was, I was retirement age. I wanted to move on. And so I studied. I took that time. I studied coaching and practiced coaching. And then I was able to combine my two passions and even serve people more deeply. And that's where you are your own source of, in, of inspiration. Um, there's certain things that we all face as we get older. Retirement is, is probably one high on the list because, you know, do, you know, you have to think about it financially, emotionally, you know, do you want to work part-time? You know, you have to wait for Social Security and Medicare to kick in before you, you know, want to go full blast. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Another thing is being an empty nester. Your children grow up, they move on, you know, or they go move across the country to get a better job, and this is what empty nesters are faced with. Then there's the loss of a partner. That's, you know, your husband, your wife, your, a good friend, a, 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 someone that you work with, a colleague, a peer, a peer, but also divorce, that is a loss. Health concerns. As you get older, we start getting more health concerns. It could be minor or it could be catastrophic, but nevertheless, we do have health concerns and increase. The biggest thing is the loss of self because now each one of those points we're changing. We have to reinvent ourselves. We've lost ourselves. Now we have to reinvent ourselves. I have three. I identified three goals or three um, problems about great of becoming, you know, growing older. And the one is first one is mindset. And I think that's the most important part because where your mind is is where you're going to expand on and move and reinvent yourself. But this, I'm getting old, man, it's like, you know, Mabel's on a chalkboard, and these whining, especially women, whining, I'm getting old, and oh my gosh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's horrible to keep hearing. And then you think about, now what am I going to do with that extra time I have? Am I going to take up knitting? Am I going to, you know, start volunteering? Or I'm going to sit in front of the TV or the computer and watch Netflix? You know, what are you going to do with all this extra time? How do I put myself first? I'm used to being a caregiver for aging parents, family, husband, blah, blah, blah. You know, now you have to think about your self-care because if you don't think about your self-care, you have, you have nothing left to give anyway. And, well, what about the things I, you know, I couldn't do, I can't do things when I was, when I was younger, you know. I, I can't do that, you know, high intense aerobics and my, my my swing, I was really was never a tennis player, but my swing is gone. <laughs> Number two 
is a change in eating habits. You know, it's about an appetite. Some people lose their appetite. Some people, you know, continue and eat, and then you start to gain weight, and all that extra calories and fat go to all these areas of your body that you don't want them in. But you still love to eat, and eating is part of life. You want to eat. And the most important part of this whole thing is the absorption of nutrition nutrients. As you get older, it's harder to absorb the nutrients that we need to give us energy to move on. And that's the third point. It's our energy levels. One is mental. It's the brain fog. It's the senior moments. Who has those? Okay, thank you. It's not just women, it's the men too. And it's, we're always losing our keys and all that. And then it all boils down to the emotional aspect. You know, it all accumulates in, in because of our, our life changes. And this is all affects us emotionally. So those are the three top main problems about aging. Is that what it is? I hope not. It can't be. I'm going to stop right here because I do have five tips for aging with agility. But you'll have to come back next time so I can finish this. Very nice speech, Michelle. Thank you for that speech and for being willing to share it with us on the podcast. Next up, we have another return speaker to this podcast, Mr. Suman Shrestha. Suman has been a member of Toastmasters for two years now, and this was his first time giving this speech. The title of his speech is Remembering My Best Friend. Now here's Suman Shrestha with Remembering My Best Friend. So tonight, I'm trying to give you some tips and some rules that you can follow to make your slides uh, better and effective. And why should you listen to me? Uh, I have more than 15 years of experience in graphic and web design, so I know a little things, a few things about design. So you can trust me. <laughs> So let's start. My first tip is, it's called the rule of five, five, five. Do not put more than five words per line in a slide. Do not put five lines per slide. And do not put five like text-heavy slides in your presentation. Anything more than this, your audience will feel difficult to read or understand. And if they try to read and understand your slides, it will take away their focus from you as a speaker. It will take away the focus from your message to the slide, and you will get disconnected from them. So 555 five, five is the rule. Next one, one slide, one idea. Always use one big idea in your slide. Do not try to put a lot of things. Do not cramp with lots of sections. Just Highlighting one big idea is really impactful than trying to put a lot, lot of things in the slide. Next one, use big and bold fonts. This is really important because when we are sitting on a computer and trying to design, we'll feel like 
like the font is too big and it's really huge. But always imagine your presentation on the wall and try to make it huge so everyone can read and understand. Next one, avoid animations and effects. As you know, in PowerPoint, you can find all kinds of animation. <laughs> you can make the words flying, rotate, disappear, appear, a lot of things. Do not use that. Also, there are lots of effects, like decorative borders, background effects. That will be really distracting. In design profession, there is a saying that a good design is always invisible. A good design doesn't come on your way uh, obscuring the message. If the design is good, it will deliver its message, it will do its job, it will give the information, it will not distract with decoration and designs and all of that things. So avoid that. And next tip is do not take anything personally in life. Okay, that is not the tip for the slide, but I'm saying that because I'm going to show you some examples of slides that some of you have designed. <laughs> and I'm sorry I had to use this. <laughs> but I, I haven't put names, so not others will know. <laughs> but if you see your slides, please do not take it personally. I have a good intention. So this one. You see, a lot of takes and very small takes, lots of ideas, effects. So this is not impactful. Your user, user will not, the audience will not understand what's there. They will struggle to read. And you have to, even you have to keep looking at it and explain it. So this is not effective. Next one, this one. Even you will not go through all of these points. So it's not use of putting it there. Just put one big highlighted point or data, and that will be enough. This one. <laughs> No, don't do this. <laughs> and high quality pictures. Always use pictures whenever possible. Pictures are really effective. Use big pictures, high quality. And do not go to Google and source and just copy paste the image. I'll give you two websites that has really high range, free, royalty free images. You can just go to these two websites and you can find all kind of high resolution images. OnSpass.com and pixabay.com. These will be enough. Next one, rule of third. So I see a lot of time people struggle with putting where should I put the object or the words or where should I highlight the, the, the idea. If that's the case, then always follow this imaginary grid three by three. Try to put your object in one of these boxes or lines. For example, here, the, the text before, it's not even, it's not in the center or left or right, so it's confusing. So use that uh, rule of third to avoid that confusion. And next one, to sum up all these ideas, this is the main thing is less is more. Do not try to put a lot of things in your slides because you will be explaining that anyways. So don't try to distract your audience from you to the slide. Always try to get into the point. I like this format a lot. Just put one image and a few words. And if these are a lot of tips and you don't want to remember these, I have just one tip you can remember and it will be enough. The tip is remember my best friend. <laughs>
and my best friend is in this club, the one who always sits at the back, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so while you are use, creating your PowerPoint, always remember Frank. He should be able to read and understand all of your words. <laughs> and if you think, if you keep Frank in your mind, your slides will be effective and beautiful and awesome. <laughs> Nice work, Suman, and thank you for sharing this speech with us on the podcast. Next up, we have Mr. John Farnham. This is John's very first speech, which we also call the Icebreaker speech. The title is Awakening. Now here's John Farnham with Awakening. So a priest, a rabbi, and a lawyer walk into a bar. No, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> My name is John, and I'm a recovering alcoholic and also an aspiring public speaker and instructor. Excuse me. Madam Toastmaster, fellow Toastmasters, and most welcome guest, I wish to share with you a story of a little bit about myself and how I came to Toastmasters. I'm uh, 53 years old and the youngest of seven children. I grew up in Gates, uh, surfing the edge of poverty. My parents divorced when I was about seven years old, and my mother was stuck raising seven kids on a very meager income. So she had to return to work, and I kind of wound up a latchkey kid, uh, loosely cared for and supervised by my siblings. So I kind of missed the steady presence of uh, my father in my life. Um, we visited, but not frequently. Um, in elementary school, I was a portly kid, not particularly athletic, usually picked last for most teams in gym class, <laughs> sometimes bullied and teased. Um, I escaped elementary school with a few bumps and bruises to my self-esteem, but I got through. In junior high, I found somebody quite like myself named Art Camerono, and together we became the class clowns of Gates Chile Junior High School. <laughs> and uh, we used humor as our coping mechanism to navigate the challenges of <laughs> thanks, Frank. Navigate the challenges of uh, junior high school and adolescence. Moving into high school, I uh, I hit my growth spurt and uh, lost the chubby kid label. Uh, I started lifting weights at the behest of my brother, who was learning to be a gym teacher in Alfred State. Um, my mission there was to become more masculine in appearance and hopefully noticed more by the females in high school, which didn't happen, by the way. <clears throat> I was an average underachiever, but that made me fit right in with the crowd that accepted me. That was the party crowd. For those of you that weren't a student in the 1980s, if you partied, that meant you smoked pot, cigarettes, and probably drank. And that was me. Um, I graduated high school with a major in partying and uh, a minor in low self-esteem. <laughs> After high school was quite a liberating experience for myself. I got a great job as a package courier, so I drove all over the city, which was great for me because I seldom if ever left the Gates Chile area growing up. Um, I met all kinds of new people and offices and lots of pretty secretaries. 
some of whom I discovered would even talk to me and even date. Yes, I started dating in this new job. It was a fabulously exciting thing for me as I'd never experienced it in high school. Um, and, and all of this included my favorite activities, drinking beer, partying, smoking cigarettes, and getting high. <clears throat> even that eventually got a little old and I suddenly found myself having to become a little bit more responsible with my life and tried to get a better job earning more money and I landed at Wegmans Food Markets in the main bake shop there where I stayed for almost 18 years. Um, I lost my party friends of the era and focused on work and worked a lot of overtime. Uh, I was really in the dough but I later found out I had my hands in the wrong kind of dough. I met new friends while I was at Wegmans and hey guess what? They all like to party. <laughs> it's a match made in heaven. Baked goods by day, alcohol and partying by night. We drank and smoked and partied and surfed the single scene at all the bars on the weekends and after hours. And uh, it was, life was great. I had few responsibilities and had lots of fun. This was okay for four to five years until I met my second wife. Yes, you heard that right, my second <laughs> wife. Well, hey. Everybody gets to play the young and dumb card once, right? Well, I, that was me. Uh, it was out of the frying pan and into the fire for me. I, I met a very attractive tan woman in a bar called Calico Jackson, the South Wedge. She ended up being the mother of my children, and I later married her. The marriage lasted for about three years and ended in a terrible divorce. Um, my ex-wife had bipolar disorder. And that coupled with her alcohol use and, and my own made a relationship tenuous at times and often impossible. I got uh, into therapy and joined a men's group and started learning about myself, my emotions, my feelings, uh, my past beliefs about myself. And I realized that I based my own self-worth upon how others accepted me or judged me or if they would be my friend or my lover. Um, in 2002, I gained custody of my daughters, which was a huge change and a, a job that I wasn't entirely ready for, to be quite honest with you, but with the help of mom, I pulled it off. Uh, I maintained a little house in Chai Lai and got them through school. Uh, I did it myself until 2005 when I met my current wife. We combined families and I later married her in 2011. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, in 2006, 2006 was a big change. I changed careers. I got out of baking and moved into refrigeration working for a friend's environmental chamber business. Um, that was quite a shift going from recipes and dough and pushing buttons to basic thermodynamics, gas law, and electrical troubleshooting. Um, I, I joined an organization locally called... Uh, the Refrigeration Service Engineers Society, which is an international organization. And I signed up with the international organization and took classes for eight years through the local chapter. <clears throat> That's how I learned the new trade. Um, I won several awards while I was taking classes at RSES for high score in my class at the time uh, within my region, which was the Mid-Atlantic region. In 2017, I shifted my career path from 
refrigeration field work and instrument calibrations to uh, sales and landed a job with Meyer Supply uh, where we sell wholesale HVACR equipment and parts. I also in that same year became president of the local RSES chapter and recently last year uh, passed the requirements and examination for a certificate membership and also my specialist examination in heat pumps. <clears throat> when COVID came along, uh, it was quite a blessing in disguise for me. It was the COVID protocols and occupancy restrictions that uh, required my chapter to split our class sizes and suddenly we were short on teachers. And I volunteered to take my hand at a basic refrigeration course. I didn't do a great job, mostly because I was a terrible public speaker. Uh, but I know that I wanted to do it again, and I knew that I had to get better at public speaking to do it. COVID changed everything everywhere, right? I mean, the world was in turmoil, masks and isolation and product shortages and you name it. There wasn't much of anything that I was seeing at the time that was particularly, you know, uplifting. It really took a toll on me and I started drinking quite a bit more and I started smoking pot again too. Um, wasn't long before, I just wanted to be numb from everything that seemingly was crumbling around me in the world. <clears throat> it wasn't long until my wife called me out of my drinking and uh, it, she had done it before and I realized that I probably wasn't gonna get another chance to write my ways and I, the next day joined Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I knew I had a problem and I needed to deal with it. So I took the bull by the horns. I got a great sponsor. I did 90 meetings in 90 days and began my 12 step work. I really started waking up to uh, the truth of my past behaviors, relationships, and even my family history. I woke up to the lies that I'd been telling myself for a long time and to the people who might hurt along the way. About two days after that, a guy named Dale Norton, who's the third in command of my company, called me on the phone and offered me a new position at work with the technical services and training department. <clears throat> Evidently, somebody had gotten word to Dale that I taught the course for RSES, uh, which Dale himself used to do when he worked out of my branch. Um, I wasn't about to say no, even though the prospect of all the training that I would have to do was pretty scary. Uh, I accepted the offer. Um, it was gonna come with a raise eventually, but mostly a lot of training, and it, I would also have to become an instructor teaching employees and contractors about two of our product lines. <clears throat> I needed to learn how to be a better public speaker and I needed to work on my public speaking skills to accomplish this. I wanted to make an effort to do this myself to show the brass at corporate that I was making an effort and I had a dog in the fight. So here I was, I decided to get sober and three days later a new job falls in my lap. Just a coincidence, right? <laughs> I really don't think it was a coincidence and frankly I don't really believe in coincidence as much anymore as a whole. Looking back, I see that my life is characterized by changes, beginning with very destructive behaviors in my youth, transformed by life's trials, 
and consequences of my poor decisions. I've begun to understand the power of positive thinking and action in the world. I've, made, uh, I've learned how to make course corrections so that I can improve the quality of my life and my future and the quality of the life of those around me. It's all because of everything that I've done that I'm here before you now. Uh, I consider this a wonderful laboratory of leadership and communication. I don't believe my being here is a coincidence. <clears throat> I believe it's more akin to natural law. And there's an old Chinese proverb, excuse me, <clears throat> that goes, when the student is ready, the teacher shall appear. Well, I am a student, and all of you are my teachers. And I'm very much looking forward to this journey with all of you. Thanks. Great job, John, especially for your first speech. Thank you for such an honest and open speech, letting us know quite a bit about yourself. And thank you for sharing with us on the podcast. Well, there you go. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed listening to those speeches from Michelle, Suman, and John. And thank you all again for sharing your speeches with us. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, the best ways to support are to either go ahead and leave a review where you are listening or share the podcast with someone who would also enjoy listening. If you'd like to give some feedback to any of the speakers, I will also leave my email in the show notes and I'll make sure to forward your message on to them. If you're interested in learning more about Toastmasters, just head to toastmasters.org. I'll leave a direct link in the show notes for you. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time on the Rochester Club 476 podcast.